You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with attorney Andrew Friedman about civility in the legal profession. Andrew is a partner at the law firm of Helmer and Friedman, LLP, and he's going to be sharing his thoughts on the impact of incivility on the legal profession, along with his suggestions for improving relations in our adversarial profession. I am really interested to hear his thoughts and insights on this great issue. We love civility at Workplace Perspective. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Andrew Friedman. Hello. <laughs> Andrew, I'm so excited to have you on the show. It's very exciting to be on your show in these uh, troubling times. Yes, yes, it is. We just we had a conversation before the show came on about not asking people how they are anymore. I'm not sure what the best greeting would be, but uh, but are you surviving and thriving at your at your firm? Are you hunkered down? We're we're mostly hunkered down. Our our firm is physically closed. We're all operating remotely. Uh, but work really has kind of come to a standstill with the courts being primarily closed for everything except emergencies. And with our in-person depositions and mediations being canceled and us trying to figure out how to do all that stuff remotely. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time for our listeners, of course, that we're talking about the COVID-19 issues that are going on right now across the nation. Um, we want to assure everybody that we at Workplace Perspective are also being remote. We're all remoted out. Our producer's in one spot. I'm in one spot. And our guest Andrews in another, so we're we're all making it work. We're just really happy for you to be here, and I'm kind of happy to be able to focus on a topic that that is not COVID nineteen related. But before we get too too far into this, I want to hey, Andrew, can you tell everyone so a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So my law partner and I, Greg Helmer, started off at Paul Hastings, which represents management in all aspects of employment law. We started our own firm um, ages ago, and now we represent employees, people, plaintiffs in all walks of life from the factory and retail floors all the way up to the C-suites in Fortune 50 companies and cases ranging from litigation and trial in the Superior Courts of California all the way up to appeals in the U.S. Supreme Court where we won a unanimous decision in our client's favor in January of 2017. Awesome. I know, Andrew, from a professional perspective, and they are awesome at what they do, and which is why I'm so excited to have you on the show to kind of tell us a little bit about, I want to talk about incivility, right? It's it's always been an issue. I remember when I was <clears throat> a new attorney, and it was, it was an issue then. I remember the Orange County Bar Association going through um, some civility guidelines and putting those together, but in our discussions, you and I... You think you're seeing you're quite you're seeing 
I, not, I don't know if it's an increase in the, in the amount of incivility or the kind of incivility, but tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in the profession when it comes to incivility. Sure. So I've been doing this for too long to recount exactly how long, but, and there always has been incivility since when I first started practicing, but I, I think that in recent years, there's been an increase both, both in the frequency of incivil acts as well as the um, qualitative nature of the, the acts with it happening uh, much more regularly where opposing counsel would yell at you during meet and confer conferences or depositions. They would make childish taunts and threats. We're seeing a lot more uh, sexism being uh, exhibited by attorneys toward female attorneys and sometimes even racist conduct. And uh, we're, we're seeing things like attorneys refusing to stipulate to a continuance where they've unilaterally scheduled a hearing or a deposition on a day where it turns out, you know, the other side is either having surgery or a family member is sick and they have child care responsibilities. Just things like that that are, are really kind of unprofessional and not very civil. I, I've been hearing that as well. I just had uh, dinner not too long ago with a couple colleagues. Um, one's a, a, a magistrate judge and the other's a practicing attorney. And the attorney was talking about, was actually asking our advice on how to handle an opposing counsel who was just so unprofessional, so uncivil. I mean, and part of Part of it was a lot of the sexist kind of stuff that you're talking about, but the other part was the vitriol. And I remember remarking to her about, wow, that's, is that unusual? And, you know, she was commenting about the fact that, no, it really wasn't that unusual anymore. But it just sounded like more nasty, like you're saying, not just the, you know, not just the run of the mill kind of stuff, but really nasty sort of stuff. Where do you think the increase is coming from? Where do you, what do you think is driving it? Well, I don't want to come across as being overly political, but I do think we're seeing a significant upturn in the amount and quality of the incivility ever since um, the partisan split in the country has really widened with the election of Donald Trump. And the other factor that I think plays into this is what we're seeing is a trans transformation of the practice of law becoming a business of law. And with the, with the practice of law going away, I think a lot of the professionalism is going away as well, where it, it seems like from both sides, the plaintiff side and the defense side, making money is more important than practicing in a professional civil way. I, I think there's a lot to that because it's a, it's a profession seeped in adversary, right? Adversarial nature. That's what we do. We're always on opposite sides. But so I, I think it's true. Where do you think this is this increase is coming from? What do you think is driving this this increase in in the, the nature and the, you know, the vitriol, the frequency and the and the degrading nature of it all? Well, I don't want to come across as being too overtly political, but I think that a lot of the incivility we're seeing in the practice of law is coming from just the um, partisan nature of our whole country, uh, the election of Donald Trump and, and the way he comports himself um, in press conferences, in tweets, and then, frankly, on a wholly other issue would be the transformation of what used to be called the practice of law into really more the business of law, 
where making money is placed ahead of being professions, practicing in a profession. I, I agree with that. I think uh, we're going to be seeing that a lot. I think with this, all that's going on at the state bar with this unauthorized practice, the changing the rules around the unauthorized practice of law and allowing um, non-attorneys to, to buy into law practices and things like that. I do think it is going to become more of a business. And I do think that people who aren't professionals in this adversarial sense, right? It's a tradition. You learn how to be professional yet adversarial. I mean, you do learn that as you go along and you learn how to, you know, how to be professional when you're on the opposite side of someone and still drive a case forward. But I think from a business perspective, you're right. I don't think people, if you're, if you're looking at it from a strictly business standpoint and you've not been, you know, you've not been trained that way, it is easy to just say, oh, it's all about money. I, I get to be the bulldog because that's what people hired me to be. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with those thoughts. I've never appreciated that, by the way, you know, when people say that. I want to, I've, I've hired a, I've hired a, you know, junkyard dog to represent me. And all I can think of is, oh, great. <laughs> But what yeah. I, I think a lot of people, you know, both plaintiff employees and defendant employers don't realize is that while it, it sounds great to you to have your attorney be this kind of Rambo style litigator, what they don't really realize is that's not always advancing the ball. In some cases, that's really going to hinder your ability to litigate the way in a case, the case in a way that helps you and or settle the case. If I'm being a complete jerk to my opposing counsel and to a defendant, they're the ones at the end of the day that are going to be writing me a check. And that check is going to be a lot smaller if they hate me on a personal level than if they respect me because I'm a zealous advocate, but I'm a nice person. Right. And I just don't think, I think that's, that's another thing that's, you know, just sort of kind of hard for people to wrap their heads around. It's more, it's kind of a trust issue, right? Like, how can you possibly be on speaking terms with this opposing counsel when, when you're representing me? Are you, are you working a back deal? Or I have always, you know, hear clients every now and again, who get down about, you know, their cases and concerned about this and that. And, um, it, I just think that comes down to trust sometimes and a little misunderstanding. And I think you have to explain to your client that being a jerk isn't really going to get you anywhere. Yeah, that's having them having that tough conversation with them about how the process actually works and what the what the best way to to move a case forward is. Tell me, because I, I think people people wonder about this as well. Do you think that as a profession? I, I think we've put a lot of things in place to sort of self-regulate our, ourselves when it comes to professionalism. But do you think that that's, we're failing at that? Have we not done enough? Are we not working that enough to, to make it uh, better? I believe that we've absolutely not done enough. What All we've done is really given, we've addressed incivility as an afterthought with a lot of aspirational words. You know, in um, 2014, the California Supreme Court approved changes to the oath of admission that lawyers have to take to try to um, make lawyers have to acknowledge that they have to conduct themselves with dignity, courtesy, and integrity. And all the state um, bar associations and local bar associations and all the courts, federal and state in California, have all adopted guidelines on civility and professionalism. But all those things they're just words. 
They're just guidelines. They're not rules. And I think we need rules that can be enforced by the courts as opposed to just guidelines that you may or may not abide by. Yeah, because the way that it gets handled now is, at least from what I've seen and what what I did when I was litigating, is if I got something that was particularly nasty, I would try to get it in front of the court. Whether Now, whether the court would do something about it is kind of always the hope. But, I mean, it's really kind of all you have to do, right? Is there something else you do? No, that's really, unfortunately, all you can do. And the courts are so backlogged. And the courts, unfortunately, don't really give incivility the, the requisite time that it needs. Courts tend to just view whenever an attorney brings up the other side being incivil as this is like two kids with an argument and they should just somehow resolve it themselves. But by abdicating their responsibility, I think the courts are actually encouraging uh, attorneys to engage in this type of stuff because nothing ever happens to them. Yeah, nothing. there's nothing ever bad. You rarely hear. I, I know there have been some cases where, you know, that the attorneys were chastised in the opinion uh, when it came out, but it's really rare. doesn't happen that often. I, right. I want to talk more about that, but right now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear more of Andrew's thoughts on civility in the legal profession. Stay with us. We'll be right back. COVID-19 better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Stay at home and away from other sick people except for medical care. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to our show. We are talking about civility in the workplace. So, Andrew, let's get a little more, let's get a little real about what we're talking about, Um, right? I, I, I know that in preparing the show, you mentioned a few cases to me, and I think it's important that people understand actually what we're talking about, because we're talking about the kind of incivility that's pretty severe uh, that's going on. It's more than just, you know, used to be, oh, I lost my motion. Oops, forgot to hold the elevator for you, you know. So (laughs) we're talking about way more than that now um, and more than just being sort of rude, really, really tops the list. So can you kind of give us a little idea of what you're you're talking about? Sure. So there there are so many recent cases addressing this that we could never cover them all here today. So I'm just going to highlight a few of them. And I want to apologize in advance to um, members of the audience who might find some of the terms that I use offensive, but I'm just quoting from the opinions. So there's a case, um, Baker versus Allstate, that was in the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California last year, where the plaintiff's attorney in response to a settlement offer from defense counsel wrote, ha ha, F you crooks, eat a bowl of <laughs> counsel referred to opposing counsel and an F-tard. That same counsel said, quote, I'm going to let the long of the law F all state for all of us. And um, that same lawyer called the other lawyer a face. Then there's another wow. case um, from last year called Edwards versus Vema Nutrition. In that case, an attorney left a voicemail message on opposing counsel's cell phone stating that 
that attorney was going to be imprisoned unless he settled the case. He left vague and menacing, threatening voicemails for this attorney and also said that his attorney said other things similar to those kind of threats. There's another case against Chevron Phillips Chemical Company from last year. I don't remember the name of that case, but in it, the um, attorney said to the other attorney about his ponytail, quote, do you want to F me? You have a ponytail haircut. I figured you wanted to F me, end quote. Um, there, there was another case last year called Martinez versus O'Hara, where an attorney appealed from the decision of a female uh, judicial officer and referred to her as taking a succubustic adoption of the defense opinion. And the term succubus, of course, is like a, a female devil figure who seduces or rapes men, um, which is obviously inappropriate to refer to a judicial officer by anything having to do with their gender. Uh, wow. There was a case called Cruz Aponte versus Caribbean Petroleum Corporation, where at the deposition of one of the parties, the female attorney complained that the room was getting hot, and the male attorney says on the record, you're not getting menopause, I hope. There was a case <laughs> called Claypool versus County of Monterey, where the male defense attorney said to a female attorney who was objecting, don't raise your voice at me. It's not becoming of a woman. And I can go on if you would like, but that's sort of a sampling. Um, wow. There's another interesting one, actually, before I stop. Briganti versus Chow from last year, where an attorney referred to the female um, judicial officer in his appellate papers as being attractive. Why, why would you put that in your appellate papers that the female judicial officer you, you had your case in front of was attractive. That's really inappropriate. Totally inappropriate. I mean, I, we didn't do this, you know, for, this, for the shock value. I do think that there is value in hearing what people are actually saying because using euphemisms and things like that really, you know, don't convey the, the true meaning of what people are saying. And it's not, I mean, that's just shocking. I, and that's I'm the stuff that I they're mean, putting it, down. It's in, hard to believe. Yeah, that's the stuff they're putting down in writing or saying on the record. You can only imagine if they're doing that where they know it's recorded what they're doing when it's not going to be recorded. I know. That is amazing because you know what they tell you know, one of the ways they tell you um, and this colleague that was asking for um, advice, like a deposition, if you're having trouble with a, someone at a deposition, the advice was always videotape the deposition because they're less likely to misbehave on camera. Well, that's out the window. I mean, if people are willing to say that <laughs> stuff in court, heavens forbid what they're going to say in a conference room with no, <laughs> nobody else there. Wow. Tell me, tell me what you're, uh, share with us your, an experience that you've had with some, within civility and how you handled it, if you can think of one. Well, there were a couple. In one, I was opposing, I was defending a deposition and the opposing counsel vaguely implied that he might hit my client. We brought that to the judge's attention. We suspended the deposition. And unfortunately, the judge kind of seemed to just think it was one of these, like he said, she said, 
and he just ordered the deposition to take place in the courtroom and didn't do anything other than chastising opposing counsel. Uh, I had another case where uh, my opposing counsel made some derogatory references to one of my female associates, and I said something to the attorney off the record, and then he apologized to my female associate, and, and it didn't happen again. Um, there was good. another time when I was at a deposition and the um, person I was deposing got so angry he leapt across the table. His lawyer <laughs> pulled him back, apologized to us and brought things under control. And, and his lawyer actually did a, a great job in, in defusing the whole situation. Amazing. When I was, I'll share a short story before we wrap up. And I, we were doing a litigation and our opposing counsel called one night to our law firm and left a F-bomb laden rambling message threatening us, our young associates who were working on the case. It was insane. And we actually transcribed it because we were going to, we were debating on whether or not to send it into the state bar. Um, wondering, you know, I mean, it was really, it was really bizarre. But I actually ended up using the transcript without the person's name, of course, or any identifiers. I was on a task force for putting together. Um, uh, no, I, we were doing a, a, a presentation on the state bar rules of civility when the state bar put their rules of civility in place um, several years ago. And I opened the presentation by reading the transcript from this call and people were just shocked. It was just it's just amazing. Well, Andrew, we're, we're running out of time, but I want to hear from you because we said we were going to do it. I want to know, tell me what you think we need to do. Tell me as a profession what you think we can do to sort of address this. Well, I think as a general matter, the courts really need to start taking this much more seriously. I, I think some of the judges out there get it. Justice William Bedsworth of the, I think it's the fourth appellate district, issued a decision, LaSalle versus Vogel last year. And he's indicated, um, I put on a presentation about civility, and he was talking to me that saying that the courts are really trying to become much more active to address this situation. But I wanted to just give two of my strategies that I use in trying to eliminate or prevent incivility. The first one is a tactic I stole from defense counsel, actually. And that is that during your first opportunity when you're talking to your new opposing counsel, invite them out to lunch on your dime. I found that if you have lunch with someone or breakfast with someone and you spend time talking about not the case, but just getting to know one another, it's going to be so much harder for either one of you to act unprofessionally or in an uncivil manner toward the other one. And then the other strategy that I use is to not respond in real time to someone who is acting incivilly to you if it's by way of email, which oftentimes these days it does. So instead of responding by an email, I would draft a letter. And then I would sit on that letter overnight and take a look at it the next day or ask my partner or one of our associates to look at it. And then that will tone the letter down. If you write something in the heat of the moment, I think that's where a lot of this incivility can really stem from. I agree. We teach the same thing in our, civil, in our civility trainings as well. Andrew, I, we are so out of time, but I had such a great time talking with you. I think those are great suggestions, and I want to thank you for sharing everything that you did today with our listeners, um, and we really appreciate it. 
You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Great. If you want to learn more about Andrew or Helmer Friedman LLP, you can find them on the web at www.helmerfriedman.com. That's H-E-L-M-E-R-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com. You can also connect with Andrew via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer producer, Paul Rogers, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar. Oh, 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 oh,